Hi everyone and welcome to episode 34 of the SVOPA podcast for February 2015. If you want to get in contact, please email us at podcast at svopa.co.uk. And with us tonight, I've got Jane. So hi, Jane. Hi, everyone. Hi, Michael. Hi, and how have you been? I've not had a chance to speak to you for quite a while. I have been really, really busy, actually, um, because I got a job, a new job, in the end of October last year, um, working at a local college. So, yeah, I've been really, really busy. Yeah, and when we have spoke, it's been trying to grab a few few minutes, isn't it, between just life and, and everything. But both of us have been like that the last few months, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Life and kids and dogs and jobs and social life and everything. Yeah, it's just crazy. But you've, you've been keeping up to what's been going on with all the some really good conversations recently on Facebook, hasn't there? We've got some real people coming up with some great memories, haven't we, at the moment? Yeah, it's really, really good to see everybody taking part, actually, in some really interesting subjects coming up and some new people bringing up new kind of memories, things like that. It's been really, really good. And don't fear to bring up memories. If you've got a, an idea or something crops in your mind, think, you know, I think I remember that teacher or do you remember this? You know, Feel free to post and just search if you're not on Facebook or you're not already involved in the group and the page just search svopa on facebook and and just request to join the group and we'll accept you so um and you know just have a look around and see what's there and get involved in the conversation yep that'd be really really great so um what have we got coming up this month then jane uh what have we got coming up this month have we got another interview with jim we have um to be honest we've actually ripped this from you know as people know me and joe um, run VI Talk, and we've just interviewed Jim, a short thing about his music, which, if you remember back nearly two years, we did a really extensive interview with Jim on here. Um, but we've done one for our coffee break section, so what we've done is we've just taken that whole section and we've popped it on, because um, so many people wouldn't have listened to the podcast then, so um, we thought we'd share that with you later on. So we've also got a recording of The Weekend from Western Supermare. Yeah, I do apologise for it taking so long to um, to put on, but you know, with the Christmas podcast, I thought we'd leave it till the new year. And we've also got Around the School in 10 Lessons. Oh, that'll be good. Just before we move on to the live recording made at Western, I'd like to just bring the sad news that Lyndon, who is Sarah Craig Hancock's husband, passed away on the 5th of January. Lyndon has been part of a number of our weekend breaks and events over the last few years and has become a good friend to so many people. Our thoughts and wishes go with Sarah and her family and friends at this sad time. We have decided to leave the original recording exactly as it was um, in tribute to what Sarah had to say and in memory of Lyndon. So... Over to myself and a few of us in the quiet room at the Lauriston Hotel. Hi everyone and welcome to SVOPA Live from the... Lauriston Hotel down in Western Supermare. We're actually in the lounge at the moment. And with us we've got John. John Garbert. Sheila. Sheila Duffy. Paul. Hi everyone. Paul Roberts. Mike. Hello everyone, it's Mike Scanlon. And Sarah. Hello everyone, it's Sarah Craig Hancock. And there are a few of us around whom we will probably grab and we may have something to say as well. Um, Norman Theobald and um, oh, Pat and Julie Rodaway are also here. So um, we thought we were going to do the Around the School in 10 Lessons, episode 10 in a little moment, um, with some of our memories of the lodge and the um, the cottage. But we'll come on to that in a minute. I think we'll, um, we'll start off with some confessions, if anyone's got one. Yeah. Sarah, over to you. <laughs> um, there was a guy in our class called Stephen Christian who used to pick on me and I was trying to work out quite a way for a long time how to get revenge on him 
big style. Um, so what I did was, towards the end of the year, before we left, uh, one day I unscrewed the top of the salt cellar so it was very loose. And it was chips. It was very rare occasion that we have chips at lunchtime. It must have been a feast day. And um, he wanted the salt, so I passed it to him. I said, well, you need to shake it quite hard because there's not much coming out. So he shook it really hard. It, the top flew off. It went all over his chips. And it was still in the days when you had to eat whatever was in front of you. So they made him eat it. So I was really happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is cruel. <laughs> is it Steve Wright in the afternoon who actually has the I confess and the um, and gets forgiven? Simon Mayo. Simon Mayo. So, do you think we should forgive her? Ooh, I don't think so. Yes, I think so. After all, this time, I think. Yeah. Okay. You're forgiven. Yeah, Simon Mayo. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyone else got any confessions? I know you were a really goody goody, Mike. Oh, thank you, Mike. Anybody else do anything wrong? Sheila? Can you think of anything? The only thing I could really think of is what um, myself and a girl called... Am I allowed to mention names? That's up to yourself. Anne Maroney. She was a year younger than myself. And she hated cheese and I hated flat meat. (laughs) Which uh, was very unpopular. It was... I think it was a cheap roast beef that they used to use and it was called flat meat. And I know people on Facebook wondered why they called it flat meat anyway. I used to sneak... Oh, and also bacon. So I used to sneak my bacon and flat meat out. I used to wrap it in a handkerchief and um, go into one of the cubicles of the toilets and Anne used to sneak her cheese out and we used to put our hands under the door... And I used to give her my flat meat or bacon. And then when it was cheese, she used to uh, do the same for me. (laughs) So um, that is my confession, I suppose. Thank you, Sheila. And don't forget, everyone, send your confessions in, because we all got up to some things, (laughs) you know, um, which we maybe shouldn't have done. Uh, What are mine which I know other people on Facebook have talked about, especially if you used to come in on a Monday morning in a coach or in a taxi during lesson time. Not a pro- bit of a problem if you got in there at 9 o'clock or whatever. And I used to get in probably about quarter past 10. But, you know, you just sort of hung around or went to the toilet for half an hour. <laughs> you know, you just didn't want... Especially if you were running early. Yeah, you just didn't want to go into class. So that, that was one of the things I did, and I know lots more people did it as well. So I tell you what, let's have a quick discussion on the biggest topic everybody has. John, did you enjoy school dinners? I enjoyed most of them, but some I couldn't stand. Some I couldn't stand. They felt like me, like Sheila was saying, and I never liked the fish on a Friday. They called it yellow fish, and I couldn't stand it. I really hated it. They're my that's my big thing that I didn't like about dinners. Paul? Uh, I like some of them. The thing I don't like and still don't like is spaghetti. But the one thing I used to enjoy in dessert-wise was Manchester tart. It's lovely. I've not had it for years. That was wonderful. Some of them, yeah, some of the things I were okay. Uh, you know, I've had better, I've had worse, but they were okay. Um, I wouldn't say particularly outstanding, but I'd say Manchester tart was the one thing I always loved. When we knew we were having it, I was absolutely delighted. It was lovely. Sarah? I didn't like school dinners until they introduced the salad option which was in our last well the last two years that we were there and the salads I thought were pretty good but the school teas or suppers as they were known I thought were a lot better I mean really quite enjoyed those but unlike Paul I absolutely hated Manchester pudding and it was my worst dessert and if I found out it was on especially the custody bit it was disgusting I hated it (laughs) Sheila I think my favourite meat was the minced meat but my worst meat was the flat meat and also the liver because I'm sure it wasn't the lamb's liver that we used to have and I hated the bacon as well. But apart from that, I think I liked most of the food. I think it was better when we went into the senior department because there was a server on the table. So 
you might get a nice server who wouldn't give you what you didn't like, but they weren't supposed to ask us that. They were just supposed to serve it all up and give us a bit of everything. So uh, there you are. That's one thing that changed when we were there. We never had the service, did we? You just you got given it pretty much, and that was it. And Mike, uh, the one thing I really used to love was the spam fritters. They were my favourite, and the one thing I hated, and to this day I still hate it, and I think it was how it was prepared and cooked to school that put me off is cabbage. And I just can't abide cabbage now. Yeah, especially the dark green cabbage. I didn't like that Any at cabbage, all. Yeah. Yeah. Were you there, Sarah, when that day when we had liver and sausage one day, and I think it was the Fergusons and possibly Paul went round and actually got everyone's and chucked it all in the pig bin? No, I wasn't. That's excellent. That <laughs> and, and they brought beauty down. Yeah. Oh, God. And she oh. just turned her nose up with it. <laughs> and didn't eat it. In fact, talking to beauty, do you remember beauty? I know you heard you talk about her yesterday. I used to love beauty. Dog. Yeah, Sister Eater's dog. Yeah. She was lovely apart from, you see, you know, she used to bite at everyone. Oh, yes. <laughs> and if you did walk too fast down the corridor, you got chased and bit. Right. And my brother used to throw his meat to that dog. How he got away with it, <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone, if anyone knows, and I'm sure you'll know about the Tom Glassy book, there's one section where he talks about giving up all the things, sort of, dinner-wise, that he hated for less. Cabbage. Or whatever. Well, he, he gave up a few things. But what happens is, after the six-and-a-half-week period... When he gets his dinner, they pile all the things that he'd given up on. Getting the hell That's right. Home. So he sort of backfired on it. Yes, he uh, did. Uh, weeks of bliss. And then he, he, he sort of come around and say, right, you know, there's lots of cabbage and lots of this and these pieces. It's like, as I say, backfired on it. I mean, the school dinner debate, that will continue and continue. Yes. And uh, especially the guys who, well, have been at school more recently, you know, let's have your contributions as well because it's interesting to see how it's changed. But yeah, when they introduced the salad and the hot and the cold, that was a, definitely a good idea. Yeah. And Fridays, we used to have the choice of packed lunch as well if we were going mm. in the cars. And that was always great, because you could get out that little bit, sort of, straight away, couldn't you? And let's test, see if it changed throughout the ages. What did we used to always have on Monday for dinner? No. <laughs> <laughs> what did we have? Cheese pie. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, no. We always seem to have cheese pie on Monday. That would have been nice. <laughs> oh, you were lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was only going to say very quickly, one of the highlights for me at school were the special feast days. I'm talking about feast days like Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. We always got a special dinner in the dining room. It was always roast pork. Mm. And we always got these bottles of lemonade. And I remember particularly the lads, they used to blow in the bottles. It didn't half make a row. <laughs> and and um, we always got fancy cakes after school. So that that was one of my highlights anyway. I remember on feast day, if we used to get, say if it was on a Friday, but particularly, because we had one, yeah, well, I think we had the St. Vincent's feast day, was on the Friday. We got uh, mm. a left her home. I got uh, given the Mars bar. We don't normally get that in school. <laughs> right. It's very nice actually. Somebody gets yeah. sweets. Um, I don't know about the cake situation when I was there. I'm not sure if they did have things, but certainly you, you sometimes get crisps in there uh, or a Mars bar or something like that. Uh, you know, after the same. Yeah. I used to like the feast days. I'm I'm a non-Catholic, so I didn't have to go to those. But I used to like going. I went for one. I thought, well, actually, it's a nice. Nice services. I've no issue going through the service. No, they were usually really nice days. I think that's the one, the St. Vincent's one, it's always the ones that sticks out. Yeah. You know, those ones at the beginning of the school year, certainly. Oh, we used to get ice cream. They were like, they were ice cream bricks, you know, big blocks of ice mm. cream you got on the thing. We probably got jelly with that as well. And I also remember the first English mass I heard in 1964 with Father Bullen mm. um, because it went from Latin to English. I do remember that very, very well. The other thing about feast day, and I shouldn't say this, and, uh, but uh, I will, it sometimes meant if it, if it clashed with a lesson you didn't particularly like, it meant that you weren't going to have that lesson. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, let's be honest, you know, it's true, yeah, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I might not be on any future podcasts, certainly for the foreseeable future, because 
um, my husband's health is deteriorating and um, although he's here with us this weekend, um, realistically we're not going to be booking any more um, holidays because he always ends up either in hospital or down the doctors. Uh, oh gosh. So um, if I don't go to any reunions or if I don't go to any weekends, it's not that I don't want to see people, it's just no, that I'm not yeah. in a position at the moment to, to leave him. He can't. Yeah. I can't even go horse riding. That's my passion. Is horse riding. I can't. Uh, I can't leave him for any length of time. So, uh, but we've got some very good friends. Sue and she that and Tony. Yeah. I mean Tony. Everybody's met Tony. <coughs> yeah. He's Lyndon's cousin. He's very very noisy. Uh, <laughs> once seen, not forgotten. Um, <laughs> but Tony and Sue and Sheila have been very very good friends of ours, and they do a lot to help me with Lyndon. Well, see, I want to thank everyone who has. Um, taking part in SEOPA Live. Um, obviously, um, thank you, Sarah, as well, for, for what you were just saying as well. And yeah. obviously, yeah. You're, you're always in our thoughts anyway. You know, yes, yeah. good luck. Yeah, and you're, um, you. Yeah. And um, love it when people can come up, regardless of age. And that's the beauty of these things. It's not about the age. It's about no. just having, having a laugh, getting together, and meeting new people. Mm-hmm. And um, so thank you very much. And um, we'll look forward to speaking to you all in the next podcast. Okay. Right, well, we're going to move on to some of our upcoming events. We've got quite a few in the pipeline. So with us, we've got Lauren. Hi. Hi, Lauren. How's your last couple of months been? Yeah, it's been really good, thank you. And um, we've had a couple of meetups recently, haven't we? Um, do you want to say a little bit about them? Um, yeah, we've had Liverpool, which was in January. Um, that, was, that turned out really well. We had 24 people turning up and uh, quite a few guide dogs. I know, I think we had about seven guide dogs, didn't we, turning about up seven in total? Guide dogs. It's the biggest meet-up I can remember and the biggest amount of guide dogs. Yeah, it was a, a really good one. I mean, Liverpool's always a good one anyway and the location, the, the Crown Hotel is excellent, isn't it? Yeah, and they're really accommodating to us as well. Yeah, so we will be going back to Liverpool and we'll probably do Southport and maybe Blackpool and other places you want to suggest. But we've got a couple coming up in the next few months. So where's our next one being held, Lauren? Our next one is being held on the 28th of February. It's in Preston and it's called the Old Vic. Yep, so that's um, only about two weeks off. Um, The Old Vic is right near the station. And I think a lot of people know it as the Vicken Station as well. It's, It's got two names. And we're going to meet at the station around half 11 to 12 o'clock. And that those that need assistance from the station to the meet-up place, well, you know, we're more than happy to help. And I've had a quick look at the train times as well. And it looks like for those travelling from Liverpool, there is one direct train an hour which actually gets into Preston about 25 past, half past the hour. So possibly if you want to meet up and get that train together, anyone travelling. And the Manchester train is actually a little bit later. It's about quarter past the hour. So we'd probably go for the quarter past 11. Gets in just before 12. So um, that's just to give you an idea. And if you are travelling from Liverpool or Manchester, get in touch because we can arrange to meet at those locations and travel together. That sounds good. Right, so we've not got a lot of details on the next one yet, but where's our next meetup going to be? The next one is, after the Preston one, is Huddersfield, which is being held on the 28th of March. Um, keep looking at Facebook and Twitter and all the usual ways, um, because we've not much information on that yet. Yeah, but that one will be all sorted out very, very soon, so do keep in touch, yep. On that one, and that is like we said, the 28th of March in Huddersfield. And it's a 12 o'clock meetup again. Yep, and um, we've got a few venues in mind, and we'll let you know as soon as that's all been sorted. And that one's been sorted out by our Gemma. It is. Right, well, as you've heard on the podcast, we've done some of the recording from Western Supermare, which was a really good weekend break back in November. And um, we've got a Saturday meetup stroke weekend planned for April. 
that's the meetup's going to be the 25th of april but anyone who's thinking i want to make a weekend of it we're going to run a short weekend from the 24th to the 27th of april and where do you think we should run it lauren um i think we should run it in scarborough scarborough it's freezing in scarborough Scarborough, well, that's where we're going. Right, OK, I'm quite happy to go to Scarborough. I've not been for ages. And at least end of April, it's usually getting a little bit nicer. The days are quite light. So um, where we're staying is the Clifton Hotel. Yeah, not to be mistaken for the Clifton Hotel, which is in Timmouth, which we've used. And a couple of ways of booking. I've actually got a few rooms already held. Um, some doubles, some twins and some singles. Uh, I will be honest, a single rate isn't absolutely brilliant for anyone wanting to stay, but do contact me. The prices are for a single room for the three nights is £167. So it is about £55-£56 a night, and that's dinner, bed and breakfast. However, if you are a, a couple or a couple of friends wanting to share, the room is just £207 for for two people so that's like 103.50 each so that is pretty good and i've got doubles and twins like i said and some singles if you want to stay for just a couple of nights or one night you can contact the hotel direct and their number is 01723372489 and um you may be able to get a good price from them for, like I said, for one or two nights. Um, with any of the weekend breaks, if you do need assistance, obviously we would say you know bring someone along with you, be that a family friend or a member of your family, or a couple of people getting together and just having some fun. Sounds like a good break. And we've not specifically planned anything else yet, but we might put something between that and the reunion. And there'll be a few more later in the year, probably York again. That was great, York, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really nice, York. I really enjoyed York. One of my favourite meetups. Yeah, it was good. a good location. Good to meet up with some of the people from Henshaws as well. So, you know, that was a pretty good meetup. But if you, you want to suggest a place, you know, do get in touch. Podcast at svopa.co.uk. And um, we look forward to seeing you there. Chester was a good one as well. It was, yeah, and um, I know it's been suggested we look at Chester, maybe even on a races day, so if people want to go to the races, um, it's an option as well, so let us know what you think. section around the school in 10 lessons. Well, what we'll do is we'll just um, we'll move on to around the school in 10 lessons, which there's a couple of us here. Uh, obviously, Sarah, you were in the lodge or in the, um, in the cottage no. at any time, really. Um, but um, we're going to sort of a little bit of a virtual tour around the, the two buildings and if we've got any memories, we'll obviously talk about them as well. So um, I think we'll start with the cottage. I was in the cottage for all the time I was at St. Vincent's, i.e. from September 83 up till July 87. I was a day pupil, so I didn't board in the cottage, although I used to sometimes stay in the evenings. And the cottage was, it was a nice place. It was for, for the boys. And it was usually boys from sort of, I would say, mid-juniors up to sometimes the top seniors in the fourth as it was then fourth year senior so we had a whole mix of of boys for you know over you know anything up to about eight or nine up to 15 or in my case 17 because that's when i left i was 17 when i left st vincent's the cottage itself was a white building or was it cream i'm not sure i think it was white and you'd walk in the door and immediately you'd turn left down the hallway and the hallway then opened out and you'd have an area right in front of you where you hung your coats and what have you. And then almost in front of you, just slightly to the right, was the dining room. Now this consisted of basically two tables with chairs around. I used to sit at the one to the left as you walked in and the other one was opposite. 
as you walked into the room, just in front of you, either. So I sat at the, the near one for the first year, and then for the rest of the time I sat at the other one. I'm not sure why I was moved, but it doesn't matter. It was a big pleasure over there. And that's where we had our lunches and evening meals, and I presume that's where they would have had their breakfast as well. As you came out of that room and turned left, if you carried on down, op not quite opposite, but on the right-hand side was the lounge, which is a similar size, and it had chairs against one wall, and in the centre you had a longish table, and there were chairs around that, and some of the lads used to sit on that, and if they had to play games or do other things, they had a stereo in there, which only seemed to get used every so often. It wasn't used so much when I was there. And, yeah, it was a similar sort of room. If you came out of that room and carried on down, there was another room to the left, which wasn't used a lot. I know I used it occasionally. I'd been referred to Old Hay, or I can't remember what happened now, but I was doing some exercises because for various reasons. And I sometimes used to use that room to do some exercises, but I don't know what else that room was used for. And right at the very end of that corridor, that passageway, there was the, the toilet. Uh, nothing exciting there, just like any other toilet really. And, and, uh, but for some reason, in, in the inside, and I never knew what it was, there was a photograph pinned on, on a door inside. I don't know what it was about, I don't know why it was there. A funny place to put it, because you know, none of us could really see it. <laughs> I mean, some of the lads who had some sight could see it. And that was that. What I meant to say is, as you came in the doorway, as in the front door, there was the kitchen, which I think was right opposite. There was like a, a, a little seating area and then there was a, a kitchen, which I don't think was very big. And I don't think I ever went in the kitchen as such, not fully. But um, we had, running the cottage, you had Sister Bridget, who people will remember. We also had Maureen English. And we had a lady who used to um, cook, you know, help with our meals. She'd come in for lunchtime and be there for a couple of hours called, I think she was Mrs King. Uh, she was a nice lady, actually. I know I sometimes got on the wrong side of her, but actually, latterly, she was, she was, we, we got on really well. She was a lovely person, and she used to stay there for about, probably about two or three hours. She wasn't usually there in the morning, morning break, but she was there for the lunch period. Upstairs, I've been upstairs a few times, usually if I've been staying for tea, and I've gone upstairs and sort of got changed. There were, I don't know how many rooms, but there were quite a few boys in the cottage. There must have been about ten who stayed there. But... I, there must have been probably two or three to a room, I think, in most instances. I can't remember, I think something like that. So I've been up to the rooms, and they seem quite nice, the bedrooms, from what one can uh, gather. And the lighting, the only thing that really changed in the cottage was the lighting. We used to have these fairly, what I would call, dull light bulbs. I mean, they weren't so dull that you couldn't see them, but they replaced them. I think they must have been rewired during the summer. Because I think my second year at school, the lighting had been replaced by strip lights, which is a lot better, hell of a lot better. I think they, they did that in every room, where strip lights put in, or in, in most of the rooms anyway, not, maybe not upstairs, but certainly downstairs, which was a lot brighter, and it, it made it look a lot brighter. It, it did improve things, so uh, certainly as I, who was starting to lose my sight as a result of glaucoma, I still had some usable vision, but I'd lost about two thirds, so the lighting compared with the school was a bit dull but as I say they changed it and it was much better. In the dining room we did also have a television which we used to use not very often I think sometimes they'd use it at tea time if they wanted to watch a program whilst they were having the tea and they could use it before tea I think if they wanted and one of our lads in talking about memories of the cottage every Tuesday lunchtime one particular lad I think it was Jonathan Wilkinson who was then a third and fourth year uh, student used to bring his radio down so that whilst we were having our dinner we could listen to the unveiling of that week's top 40. Now, people who listen to this won't know but back in the day the BBC charts used to be unveiled at lunchtime on a Tuesday on Radio 1 and they'd play through the top five, do the rundown, play the number one and then they'd play through the rest of the charts uh, thereafter. Um, so the charts you heard on a Sunday on Radio 1 was in fact the final airing of that week's charts so we'd listen to the unveiling of that week's charts and uh, certainly in my first year, 83, 84, it was quite exciting with the, the likes of Frankie Goes to Hollywood and all their records going in. And, and it, was, it was quite an interesting year for, for chart music. But we did that for several years. You know, whoever was there who had a radio would bring it down. We would, we would listen on Tuesday. So Tuesday lunchtimes were always exciting. Um, outside, as you, I'm trying to think where it was in relation to the actual cottage itself, you had an area, I'll say play area. It seemed to consist of two different things. We had a, I suppose you'd call it a summer house, if you like, want of a better expression, 
I think it was situated as you came out the cottage. I think you turned left and it was somewhere in that area. I can't remember exactly now, but that was quite nice. Sometimes we'd go in there, sometimes. I don't remember going in there that often. And there was a big grass area and in the centre that was a swing. Uh, I know that swings are the sort of things you do sort of before the age of 10 or 11 perhaps, but there wasn't much else to do at one time. And sometimes, sometimes we would go on the swing, you know, just to give us a bit of, I don't know, just to pass the time with it, it was quite good. And it was nice outside, and also, in the summer, and I hate doing this, I hate having a big meal out when it's bright and hot and sunny, because it just doesn't quite find it doesn't work. They'd put a table out on several benches and we'd all have our dinner outside. And I remember the first time I went to the cottage, before I started at St Vincent's, I went for a, another visit to team up with my classmates, as it were, who I would be with in the September. And I went to the cottage that day, in the July of 83, I think it was, yeah, that's right. And we were sat outside having our dinner. So we used to do this during the summer months. Uh, not every day, but if it was a really nice sunny day, we would do that rather than sitting in the dining room. But I must admit, I preferred to sit in the dining room because, as I say, I don't like eating a hot meal in the sun. And I think there was a, at least one, I say tree, I don't know what type it was, there was a tree that was in the sort of garden area of the cottage. I can't remember where it was situated now, but uh, that was about... Right, so uh, yeah, it was um, a quite a nice building. And the other thing is, when you walked up to the cottage from school, you'd come out the, by the kitchens, you'd walk, what I would do is look for sort of a hedge that I could see straight in front of me, and a bare right, and then there was a pathway. And that pathway would lead you more or less up to the cottage. It would sort of, you know, you turn, I think, left, go right, turn left, go forward, and then you'd, you'd do a right, I think, and there you were, right by the cottage entrance. And I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I need to say. Uh, carpets were quite thin, I think, if I recall. They weren't sort of big, thick carpets or anything that probably wouldn't be able to, but uh, they were uh, quite good. I think I've actually covered all that, but um, there are people who will have been in the cottage who heard this who will be able to identify with most of what I've uh, said anyway. Uh, so uh, I think that's it. Hope you enjoyed that little tour around the cottage. Yeah. Thank you very much, Paul. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, most of us have never even been anywhere near it so oh, you know, apart from the guy waiting in the front door for a school tie because he used to have get him from yeah. there and things like that yeah. um, just a couple of comments what came through on the Facebook as well was after it was used for the, for the boys it did become used by the top senior girls a little bit like the lodge was used by the top senior boys and then uh, Daniel was advising us as they were updating Bridgman they um they put the boys in there for a te- temporarily, which was a bit of a squash apparently. More, not enough room for them to actually <laughs> really squeeze in the bedrooms. It was like a foot between them. It's a bit of hard work, and we think that the cottage may have been used as like staff rooms and things before it was used by the students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, going back um, into the days of the farm and mm-hmm. things like that as well. So, thank you for that, Paul. No problem. Um, and then more of us were in the lodge. Um, were you in the lodge, John? No, I wasn't. So I think this one is going to be me and Mike. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the lodge was really used by the top seniors. I was in there for two years, um, mainly because I I Jamie Davis was the only boarder in your year, wasn't he, sir? Yeah, I think he was, yeah. yeah well, you know, some years had lots of boarders, but <coughs> the boys anyway. Yeah, quite a few yeah. boarders, boarding mm. girls. Alfie, Alfie as well. Yeah. No, he, he became a day. Near the end, Alfie. Yeah. Right. He was yeah. a boarder to start with, but yeah, he became day. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, so there was literally just Jamie Davis. Mm-hmm. So I went over, and so did Philip. So yeah. there were three of us in the lodge in the two years. So, um, but uh, when it first opened, Mike was one of the first ones in there, or the second year in there, weren't you, Mike? Yeah, I was the, uh, as far as I can remember, it was the second sort of year of intake there, which was 1970 71. Uh, and I must say, you know, I did enjoy my time there. Uh, I haven't got the same sort of memories, but I can't remember sort of and give you a description of the layout and all that sort of thing, I'm afraid. But uh, I have got a couple of uh, good memories from being in the lodge, uh, particularly Saturday nights uh, when uh, the house parents there were Joe and Jackie Lampton, who a lot of people of a certain age will know, and a lot of people even today will probably know Joe Lampton. And on a Saturday night, they always let us watch Match of the Day and provide us with supper, sausage rolls, and things like that. Uh, that was really nice. 
But I also remember Alashlund Central One. I always going back. I, I I came up to Liverpool for a few days to have a look around Pesca, and I went back to visit the school in nineteen seventy three, and I always remember saying that England that day were playing a World Cup qualifying match against Poland. And it was a famous match because of the Polish goalkeeper, name's conservative, it was Thomas Chevsky, and he's nicknamed the Clown uh, because of the amount of fantastic saves he made. And I remember being in the lodge and watching that with Joe Lampton. Yeah. So that's my memories of the lodge. All right, well, I'll see what I can remember going round the lodge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cause I was in there two years, and I think with Joe and Jackie Lampton do a they were really nice couple as well as you know. Yeah. I think everyone has really fond memories of them both. Um, one memory I actually do have is coming in most nights, especially the first year when there was only three of us staying. We nearly always got scones, so we'd yeah. walk in and on the left hand side. As you walked in, there was a, a small table which used to have the milk and things. We used to pick up at evening mm-hmm. after you club, and usually a plate of scones, uh, and so we used to always enjoy them, but. Um, as you went in, on the left-hand side, you had like Joe and Jackie's lounge area, and I think there was like their kitchen, and obviously mm-hmm. their, their living area was on the ground floor. So we went straight upstairs, and as you got to the, the first landing, there was a shower room and a couple of toilets, and then there was a small room off there, which was a, a double room. And, and then I was in there for a few months, and then you sort of turned back on yourself and went up a couple more stairs, through a door, and then you had two rooms. And you think you said on Facebook you was in the, the room of four, weren't you? There were certainly four in the room I was in, yes. Yeah, and yeah. I, I was in that room for 12 months. Right. And there was another two there as well. And there was a fire door straight in front of you as well, but luckily we didn't need that. And as you went back on yourself again, you went upstairs to like the third floor, which had a small kitchen. There was a lounge in there with a TV, a couple of... Sort of easy chairs. I probably had a table in there as well. I don't know if what was in there when you were there. If you remember any of it, Mike? No, I can't remember that sort of detail. No, sorry. And then there was a another room just a couple of steps up, which was never used when we were there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was used in the past. People can obviously let us know. Mm-hmm. And that had been obviously shut down because of fire fire regulations and things like that. Um, so pretty much there was what one a f- one or four. So nine beds in there, but only eight of them could be used. And my second year, we were pretty full. I think we had seven or eight in that in the lodge. So send in your memories, and we can add them on the next podcast as well. So um, I think what we'll do is we'll close that lesson. I think the bell's just about to go, which obviously we said around the school in ten lessons. We've already just completed the tenth lesson, but there's still places. So the next one will be on the farm. I hope you enjoyed listening to Around the School in 10 Lessons when we were talking about the lodge and the cottage. That brought back some memories for me while we are recording it and hopefully that will bring back a lot of memories for yourself as well. And the next one we'll be looking at the farm and that was something which I don't remember at all and I can imagine you didn't remember, you weren't there with the farm either, we Lauren. No, I, wasn't, I can't remember the farm at all. I was just thinking, then when you tell about the farm, I don't remember it. Yeah, it was well be time your time, well, well before... <laughs> for mine as well um, pretty much it was finishing when I was there so what we're going to do now is move on to the upcoming reunion the main event which is being held on June the 20th it is which we're going to book a sub- lovely summer day aren't we yeah hopefully bring the sunshine along as well yeah so I hope you've got that in your diary and um quite a bit different this time um what we're going to do is during the day we're going to use the school so we're going to kick off about half 11 and have lunch at 12 o'clock followed by the agm all the you know the get the business side of things hopefully the school will will do something for us as well and we'll obviously record one of the podcasts and have plenty of free time as well that's really good that and we can go and chat to friends and catch up yeah, because uh, I've met loads of really good friends through the reunions, and I know you've not been to a reunion yet, have you, Lauren? But you've no, I've never. You've been to quite a few re um the meetups and meetups, yeah. And you've met quite a few new friends and through that. I have, I have really nice people. 
one big difference this year is the evening. Rather than holding it at the school, we're actually going to move it over to Bradbury Fields. Yep. And that's going to be really nice. We're going to have three course dinner. We are. We'll tell you the more more details on the next podcast on, on that and what the real plans are. But yeah, sit down meal, followed by entertainment. And just, again, plenty of time to relax, have a chat with your friends and um, get to know some new ones. And we'll finish that about 12 o'clock. And anyone staying at school, we will have transport back to school as well. So you're hopefully coming this year, aren't you, Aaron? I am, yeah. I've been well. I mean, you've been back for a couple of the um, events and things over the last 12 months. But you, how do you fancy sleeping in your old bed or in your old in your school again? It'll be strange. It'll be strange. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. And I know a lot of people are quite apprehensive about going back to the school. And and all we can say is, you know, just come along and if we can help you, we can put you in touch with people who are going you may have known. You know, just let us know. Or come to one of the local events. They're a really good way of getting to know people and just taking some of that fear out of it. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, try... To get to the local event first, if you can. Yeah, so I'll give you... What we're going to do is we're going to release the pricing as well. So the event is going to be split into three sort of packages. We've got the day package, which is includes your lunch and tea and coffee for the day, which is £10. The all-day package, which includes the evening meal and everything that is 27 pound and there is a bar at bradbury fields as well which is um, going to be good it takes means there's less work for the committee and people to do so that'll be nice we can relax more and if you want to stay at school as well that's going to be a total of 60 pound for the whole the whole event the only other thing on that is obviously as a svopa member coming to the reunion there is five pounds membership which just goes towards things like the cds and the running of the society so that we can put on the big events and everything for you for years to come yeah right so we look forward to seeing you and um when are we going to start taking bookings we're starting to take bookings on march the 1st Right, so not long now, and the booking forms will be available via email. Just email podcast at svopa.co.uk or give me a ring. And what we can do is I can email or send you one of those out. And for those who do get the, the CD, um, we will hopefully include a copy of the booking form with that as well. So look forward to seeing you at the upcoming reunion. And I'll see you too. Welcome to VI Talk, sharing ideas, information and support. And now it's time to relax with our coffee break. I'd like to introduce Jim Moran, who is our next feature on our coffee break. Hi, Hi, Joe. Hi. Hi, Jim. It's good to have you on board again. It's been a long time since we've had a good chat like this. Great stuff, yeah. Well, um, we're talking about music, and my music takes me way back to the 60s. And they always say that um, if you remember the 60s, you probably weren't there, but I was there. And uh, I do remember I started started being interested in music from school really learned piano from a, an early age but never kept it going but when the guitars came in in about the early 1960s i started getting quite interested in guitar and especially um sort of pre-60s everybody sort of learned to play the guitar with the old skiffle era so i learned along uh, with lots of other people in school um to, to play a bit of skiffle i think when i was 14 or 15 i started getting playing in bands and uh, I used to go home at weekends from St. Vincent, so I had a, a lot of contacts at home, and if you could play a little bit of guitar, then you could get in a, in a band, and um, the last place left in the band that I could get in was the lead guitar job, so um, which I'd never done, I never really fancied it, wanted to an easy job with the rhythm guitar, but this is the only job left, so uh, 
I grabbed it and and um, it was great fun. It was a big, big learning curve. And uh, I got my first electric guitar when I was 14 and a half. Um, and my dad didn't know that um, you, for an electric guitar, you also needed an amplifier. So having signed for the guitar, he then had to sign for the amplifier. Um, so <laughs> that, that was the first, his first shock and uh, my first learning curve that you need to be pretty well organized. I, I was lucky really that it was, I was living in Liverpool where there were an awful lot of bands. Every youth club had bands playing two or three times a week. Uh, my local youth club, uh, which was in West Derby, had had bands like the Beatles and Jerry and the Pacemakers and the Big Three, Foremost. All those bands came through the youth clubs. Um, so you, you saw them all. Uh, I, I, saw, I saw the Beatles and paid um, the equivalent of two bob to see them, which is 10 pence in and new money uh, to see the Beatles on our local youth club. So that that was a real incentive to see these bands uh, that were sort of a little bit ahead of us uh, and to learn from the excitement that there was around. Um, because I, I quickly discovered that if you're going to cop off with the girls, you've got to have a technique. And my technique was getting into a band, so that was really my, my driving point. Um, our very first gig we did where we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and the very first gig we did was at the cavern club in liverpool um, as an audition and uh, the band at the time was called the photons and we, we played this audition uh, on the same night we we had the the beatles were, were top of the bill so i happened to as my my first claim to fame uh, played on the same stage on the same night uh, as the beatles in the cavern and that would have been about september October 61 and that was just before they made it pretty big they 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 went away to Germany came back made a record early 62 and that was the last uh, Liverpool saw uh, of the Beatles so it was it was great to to have that that experience at a very early time in my musical career um, I left Liverpool um, to go to Birmingham to college and um, if you play the guitar and you've got a Liverpool accent in 1963 you were guaranteed a job in a band, so I, I got a, first of all a, a, in a band um, in the Brib, and uh, that was uh, Queen Alexander Tech. They had a, a sort of working band there, and that, that got me into that. But I was uh, going out with a girl who lived in Redditch, just outside Birmingham. We used to go up there for weekends, and finally got into a, a, a band in Redditch, um, all sighted guys in this band. And um, th that was quite an experience playing in a sort of Midlands band when I hadn't uh, uh, didn't know anybody in the area. So it was a really good door opener. Came back to Liverpool in '65, uh, and um, because of my vast experience in bands in Birmingham and Liverpool, uh, I got an approach fairly quickly to, to come and join a, a Liverpool band, which was the Idle Hours, and. Um, the Idle Hours ran from 65 right the way through till round about 85. Um, and one of the uh, gigs that we did um, uh, as, a, as a regular gig was, was back at the Cavern, but this time getting paid for it. So if you ever come to Liverpool and you go to the Cavern, they've got on where the, the site of the old Cavern was, uh, there's, there's a brick wall there that has uh, a brick for every band who's played in the Cavern. And uh, I'm delighted to say that I've got two bricks in that wall. I've got one with the photons and one with the idle hours. So I've, I've, I'm immortalized in brick <laughs> on Matthew Street. So <laughs> that's my other second claim to fame. <laughs> the, the idle hours did pretty well. We swapped from playing beat music and country uh, rock and roll music um, about early 66 when we found that there was a, a lot of demand for um, modern country music sort of music that was creeping into the top 10 and top 20 at the time. Um, or the, the, the ones that spring to mind are things like Green Green Grass of Home and Please Release Me, but there were many others like Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town, Little Old Wine Drinking Me, all those the songs that, that we see on karaoke nowadays, they were all top 20 uh, songs then. So um, we'd, we'd actually gone into a, a, switched ourselves over to a commercial market. We were a five-piece band. Um, and I was, I was still linked to St. Vincent's because the guy who sang with the band uh, was John Southern. John, John sadly died last year, but um, he and I 
uh, had met in school and been in the photons together, uh, were in the idle hours together. And in 67, early 67, we had the chance to, to go full time. We were getting so much work as you could in them days. You could work seven nights a week, getting so much work that going to work in a factory during the daytime and then going out at night um, and then trying to get up early, coming in at three o'clock in the morning from playing nightclubs and then going back out to work in the morning was just too much. So we both packed our jobs in and, uh, and went full time with the band. That took us uh, round an awful lot of the, the pubs in, in London. Uh, we used to do a regular circuit in London, a regular circuit, circuit in the Midlands. We played up the West Country um, from uh, Cornwall, Devon, Somerset, and we we guaranteed we were guaranteed sort of ten or twelve nights at a time working in the West Country. So we'd start off at Cheltenham, go right the way up to St Blasey in Cornwall, and stay there. And then we came back and stayed in a hotel uh, just outside Exeter called Halden House. And we worked from Halden House round the Exeter area. So we guaranteed twelve nights a week, and that was um, four or five times a year. So we we made an awful lot of friends in the West Country. We worked up the northeast, working the, the working men's clubs up there in Newcastle, Gateshead, um, Middlesbrough, um, or Darlington, all around that area. Um, and we were guaranteed another four or five weeks uh, work up there every year or 10 days at a time. So we consequently, when we came back to Liverpool, um, we were a pretty well-practiced band because uh, we were working solidly. Uh, and because we weren't available in Liverpool, and of course... Uh, the work that was back here, we got the lion's share of that when we came back. So we managed to do all of the, the, the big um, clubs in Liverpool, Allenson's and, and uh, the Wookie Hollow, all of the, the big nightclubs in Liverpool. We managed, we were we were doing those as part of a, a cabaret act. And in fact, one of my um, one of my my sort of memories is playing on the Eagle and Child in in Heighton, which is probably the roughest pub in Liverpool. It's now knocked down. Um, and uh, we played that on the Saturday night and the Empire Theatre on the Sunday. So it showed the variation of, of jobs you could do as a band. You could be playing on the theatre one night supporting uh, an American act and previously playing on Eagle and Child uh, supporting usually a Saturday night fight. So it was, it was it's quite, it's quite an interesting job. I, I, I did that um, sort of full time. Um, right the way up, um, and, and I met my wife Sue while I was doing that. She often uh, jokingly says that she was a groupie, uh, but I did meet her through the group because she was uh, John's cousin and she came out on New Year's Eve when she had nothing else better to do, uh, to watch the band and then um, started coming out with us all regularly. So that's how I met Sue. Um, so I, you know, I did quite well out of the music business. I bought my, got my first house and... Uh, got our first car with the proceeds of, of playing in a band, uh, had my kids. And then she turned bandit on me and said, why don't you get a real job? Um, so in 1982, I, I, uh, I did a, a, a course uh, uh, and, uh, and qualified to do the rehab course up in um, Leeds. Went off there for a year, was a student for a year. I was still playing in the band at weekends. Um, and when I came back, I, I got into, first of all, into RNIB and then on to uh, the job I, I just retired from, which is uh, chief exec of Bradbury Fields. In between time, I've always kept my music going because I played in a functions band from 83 to 2003. I played in a functions band and that was sort of playing golf clubs and uh, rotary club dinners, all that sort of stuff. We had a girl singer and she was exceedingly good at, at the the sort of show band kind of stuff. Um, so we're mostly playing covers and and uh, that sort of thing all the way through that era. Um, still play now. I'm in three bands now at the moment. I'm with um, uh, a band called All or Nothing, which uh, uh, has Paddy Rodaway in the band and Phil Longworth. Um, so their contacts back to St. Vincent's again. Uh, so we have a band called All or Nothing, which is a five-piece band, four singers in the band. That's quite a, quite a struggle, getting four singers um, and five instruments moving and uh, I'm also in a Shadows tribute uh, band doing all Shadows, 60s Shadows music, Buddy Holly stuff, Elvis and we also run a band um, that I started way back 20 years ago at Bradbury Fields called The Usual Suspects and The Usual Suspects are, are people who are visually impaired 
shown an interest in playing a bit of music and we started running some music projects. One of the things that came out of it was um, a, a, a bunch of people who wanted to play and sing rock and roll um, and that's a 10-piece band. So imagine how difficult that is to establish a 10-piece band that plays everything from ballads, country music, rock and roll um, and some uh, punk. We've got one guy who's really into punk so uh, that's a, quite a variation of music. So <clears throat> I've kept my music. I'm now now I'm retired. I'm playing a lot more music uh, than I played before. Uh, now learning keyboards, and I've just recently um, bought bought a ukulele because ukuleles are fun. And um, I'm back at St Vincent's. I'm teaching a little bit of ukulele on on a Wednesday uh, to the kids at St Vincent's. So there's my link all the way back, starting at school and linking all the way back to it. Wow, yeah. that's an amazing career, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great fun. I, I, absolutely fantastic. That the, the guitar has opened an awful lot of doors for me, um, and that's only just a, a little bit of it. Some of the experiences I've I've had over the time has been absolutely phenomenal. For anyone who's interested, just as an aside, we actually uh, Pat Rodaway, who Jim mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, has actually been one of our coffee breaks as well. So if you fancy, if you've not listened to it already, you can listen to Pat's musical influences and his journey as well. Yeah, we would like to you know finish one of your tracks in a few moments as well, Jim. Um, I'd like you choose which one you'd like for us. But if people want to get hold of your music, is it available anywhere? Or if people want to book you? anything like that what's the best way of people find out more about your your music and and what you do well we we've got um we've got a cd out that we recorded in the studios of bradbury fields and it was all the tracks i wanted to play all the years that i was in the band and when you're in a band you have to play i suppose a, a degree of music that everybody else wants to do or the audience want to listen to or whatever it's kind of a partnership you choose and i i wanted to record a bunch of songs that I'd never ever played with the band, but always wanted to do. So they they start off with with tracks like from Eddie Cochran, um, and I did uh, uh, an instrumental called Walk Don't Run, which is an old ventures uh, number. Um, but I think uh, 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 one of the the the, the um, two ways of getting hold of the music one is that you can actually buy the the CD, and I'll uh, I'll leave my phone number on, on that one. So we can either send you a CD. It's five quid. Um, there's no postage and packing. We can bung it off to you. And uh, there's about 12 or 13 tracks on that CD. Um, or um, you can buy it as an electronic download um, that I'm sure Mike can organise. Again, you can pay a fiver, but the proceeds will go uh, to SVOPA. So you can buy the electronic download through SVOPA and the, the money will go to uh, direct the uh, organisation. So, Mike, you do have the CD anyway, don't you? I do. Can I be really cheeky, Jim? Go on. Do you fancy donating a digital version of as a prize and coming up with a competition? We've yeah, we've never we, done we, it on on, on VI. Yeah, yeah, we we, we, we that's could that's do. A good idea. We we could do that. Let, let's work out a competition then. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is a really stiff one here? Which song was it that um, the Beatles turned down that became a number one? For Jerry and the Pacemakers. Right, so send your answers to info at vitalk.co.uk by the end of February, and then we'll get in touch with Jim and he'll draw a winner. Great. A song we want to play off the CD. Um, I'm going to play one that hasn't been played before uh, on any of the interviews, and that's um, uh, a Buddy song, a Buddy Holly song. I think it's track seven. Um, and it, it's called Maybe Baby, but it was written uh, by Buddy Holly, uh, released after his death, after he was killed in the, in the air crash. Um, and it's one of my favourite songs, and it, it was a song that was played by most of the Liverpool bands during the, the Mersey Beat era. Everybody played Buddy Holly songs, but this was one I think that everybody else played, and it's called Maybe Baby. And on that track, um, I got one of Liverpool's top singers singing along with me, a guy called Kenny, Kenny Parry, who's been in... The Swinging Blue Jeans, Liverpool Express, many other bands. He's singing harmonies with me. And I've got a guy on piano uh, from Jukebox Eddies called Mike, Mike Byrne. Um, and again, he's been in lots of uh, bands in Liverpool, the Moody Blues. Uh, he was also in um, uh, the Roadrunners and, and lots of other bands since, but he's now, now there. So he's playing piano on that track as well. 
Thanks very much, Jim. It's, as always, it's been a pleasure. So do you want to introduce your song and then we'll we'll close? Right, well, this is Jim Baran and it's a Buddy Holly song called Maybe Baby. by emailing podcast at vitalk.co.uk on Facebook by searching for VITalk on Twitter at VITalkPodcast and our website address is www.vitalk.co.uk Well, that's the end of another jam-packed podcast. And I hope you enjoyed yourself, Jane. And you... Yeah, really, really good. It's it's always good to come back together and have a bit of a chat and just sort of share thoughts and, and bring different content to you. So just thinking ahead, because we've obviously talked about the reunion and things, are you, I know you're hoping to come back this year. So what was your little thoughts? Because we've talked about how people were frightened of when they first went back to school for a reunion. Just to finish off, you know, how did you feel about going back to the place for the first time? Oh, well, I mean, I hadn't been back for about 20 years. And I remember thinking at the time, because I was only at St. Vincent's for just under three years. And when I was on the long four-hour train journey, I was thinking, oh, gosh, you know, I had such a great time there. I hope when I do go back that it's a really good time. Because if if I go there and it's not really good, it'll end up kind of bursting this 20-odd-year bubble. And, And yet, you know, I had nothing to be worried about because it was one of the highlights of the year, I, I felt. When I when I was travelling home on the Sunday, I was thinking, oh gosh, I wish it could have lasted a lot longer. It was absolutely fantastic. And I love the atmosphere at the reunion. Absolutely love it. Because people are sitting around at their different tables just chatting away. But you could get up and walk around and just sit down at any table you chose at random. And, and people would just say, oh, hi, hi, you know, who's that? And sit down and have a chat. And Everybody is just so welcoming at every single point. It's fantastic. So if anybody's listening and they're thinking, shall I, shan't I, let me tell you, you you must come along because it's great and you will not be disappointed. Oh, thanks, Joe. Uh, It's not long off that anyway. So if you have got any feedback, please contact us at 
podcast at svopa.co.uk. You can search for our page and group on Facebook. Just search SVOPA. On Twitter, we are at SVOPA. Or you can contact me direct on 0161 287 1841 or my mobile 07930 What we'll do is we'll sign off and until next time, I uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again. So we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.